A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the yes. touchdown Gordon Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby far side back to throw is Martinez not being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska Day, uh, we got Zach here, and I'm joined by Fitz. Fitz, what's going on, boss? Not much. Uh, happy Sunday, happy recording day. Glad to be back in uh, the congregation here, and uh, really, really looking forward to uh, today's episode. So, I'll uh, I'll let you get us going. Sweet, appreciate it, and glad to be joined by you. Drake will unfortunately not be here this week. He had some uh, prior obligations, so uh, he will be back for the next episode, uh, but just today he's not here. But we are joined by America's favorite sports lawyer, Dan Lust. Dan, what's going on, boss? I'll take America's favorite. We're like, uh, there's not that many of us, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um, I'm good over here in... Uh, I guess it's a little cold over here up in New York, but uh, yeah, like halfway across the country. So it's a pleasure to speak to you guys. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice for once here in Nebraska, so we're not going to compare it this time. You know, it's in the mid-40s here, and uh, we don't have snow, so we're going to take that as a victory today. That's that's fair. We had snow about a week ago. New York, New York at least where I'm from in New York. I'm not from uh, the concrete part of New York. I'm from the suburbs, so weather is not, you know, it's it's uh, you know it's what you'd expect. You kind of take what you can get, right, and run with it. Yeah, you know, we went, we had a week of, uh, like, snow, and then we went to no jackets, so, I don't know, glo- global warming, I guess, you know, something like that, we just can't predict at a certain point. Yeah, so you'd fit in just fine in the Midwest then, because that's just about how every week here goes, unfortunately. There it is. 
Well, you know, I kind of want to get a little bit of history on you. You know, you've been all over the place, but um, as we all know, when the Big Ten kind of shut down the the conference or the season, you know, you really kind of ingrained yourself to really sports fans in our area and Nebraska fans and different things like that. Um, I guess give a little bit of just your background and kind of how you really got involved with, you know, the the being on the Husker side and Ohio State side in the uh, Big Ten uh, situation. For sure, for sure. And, um, you know, I've, I've been on at this point a, a few Nebraska shows. This is the first one that asked me about how I ended up in the saga, which uh, certainly I could appreciate because I have people popping in that are like, this guy didn't go to Nebraska. He didn't live in Nebraska. Why is he tweeting about Nebraska? So I'm ha- certainly happy to break it down. Um, I guess my, my sports venture started in college. I worked for the New York Giants in the public relations department uh, my sophomore summer onward. And then I had this decision point, do I want to work for the Giants full time or, you know, do I want to do something else? So my family are all lawyers, like my wife is, my uncle is, my sister, brother-in-law, like the the whole clan, but I am a, just a diehard sports fan first. So somebody very smart in my world said, if you get a, a JDA or JD or an MBA, that might help you in your path in sports. So it's essentially what I did. I continued to work for the Giants while pursuing my law degree. I ended up working for a baseball agency. Um, I did some some really fun work uh, in that like weird sports law vicinity in school. Um, and then, uh, like, I guess we'll, we'll zoom past this part. But I was like a traditional lawyer for eight years. And by the end of that time frame, I started to do a, like a little bit of tweets like LinkedIn. I started writing about sports. And then through that process, I started getting on uh, some radio shows and eventually my current firm, which is a sports and entertainment firm, so we represent um, some athletes, uh, main, mainly in the football area. Um, but those guys said, hey, you are a just a litigator and you know everything about sports law. So why don't you come work for a sports law firm? So I don't know. That's that's kind of my background, Zach. And then, as you know, like now um, those few radio spots have now blossomed into like, you know, I do like five, six hits a week. I'm starting to break into television despite my radio face, as my as my <laughs> wife says. But uh you know, it's a, it's a nice upward trend. It hasn't been that long. It's been about three, three and a half years on the, on the, the media beat. Yeah, I was going to so, say, you've been all over the place. I mean, you were on local radio here in Omaha as well uh, for a couple shows, you know, kind of when the whole uh, trailer and everything dropped for the Big Ten thing, which was really cool. They'd be able to hear you and get people locally to hear you. Which it, you know, it's it's been crazy. It's almost like a, a rocket shot off because one day we were like, well, we don't really know this guy. And then the next day, whew, rocket shot. Everyone's a, uh, following Dan Lust, and everyone likes Dan Lust around here. So it's it's kind of funny to see how that journey popped off so quickly. Well, I guess uh, I guess I can explain the Nebraska part. So like I I've been on the weeds. Like anything that's a sports controversy that involves lawyers, I try to pop in because as you guys, I think you know. Like I'm not you know I I come from a family of lawyers, so I kind of grew up speaking it, so I can I think do it conversationally maybe more than most. I'd say you're pretty um, good at it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I mean, I listen to Barstool. I listen to the ringer shows. I'm on like, you know, Dan Levitard, Pat, like McAfee. Like I, you know, I, I think I'm more of a sports radio guy. Um, but at a certain point, my background as a lawyer was in insurance defense, which is not a sexy field at all. It's not, <laughs> but you know, you try some, you have some depositions. I've tried, you know, try to case solo, pick juries. Um, but when it came to at least this COVID saga, like I did, you know, I did everything from Antonio Brown or Kobe Bryant's you know, helicopter crash, stuff that has nothing to do with COVID. But when it came to the pandemic, my background is in risk management. So I'm like, this is a really fascinating decision. Some conferences 
are using their medical experts, which I used as a, an attorney, I still do. And the other conferences are going to use their own experts. And some are saying it's safe to play and some are saying it's not. So I'm like, we are not doctors. I have no idea who's right and who's wrong. But at the end of this, one conference or some conferences will look really good and others will look really stupid. So the first one to dip there, and I was you know, saying that online enough leading up to it. The first one to make the decision was the Big Ten. And those guys said, you know, they listened to their experts and they said, it's not safe to play. So I think, you know, this is, at a, you know, hindsight's 2020, they were looking to be the leaders. And then, uh, you know, the SEC will follow them. And then, you know, the Big 12 will follow and the ACC will follow and Pac-12 will follow. And then the Big Ten will look like the geniuses in the room. Yeah, it almost seemed like they was, thought there would be a domino effect to everything. And Right. Right. A hundred percent. And then as it turns out, the opposite was true. And then the SEC ended up looking really smart once this was all cleared. So I'm like, as the attorney in me, if you're wondering why I was so passionate about this, I'm like, I want to know why they made this decision. I want to know who made this decision. If it was Michigan, Iowa, definitely it was Iowa. Let's, let's oh, of Iowa. course it was Iowa. <laughs> yeah. you, are, you are learning so much and you have just, every, every tweet I think just ingrains <laughs> you as more of a diehard Husker fan than people that have been around for years. So just keep it you know, going. Do you know what's funny? So like, I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan, which I don't know if you guys are, but like, you guys, you guys uh, Zach, you kind of look like a WWE wrestler over there. <laughs> you know, I've been told once or twice I look like Macho Man Randy Savage. You do. That would I mean that was the move. There, there are wrestlers that say that they learn how to speak like you know English from watching wrestling, like slobber knocker and like open up a can of whoop ass. <laughs> I've learned to speak Nebraska on Twitter. Like I don't know anything, so I was popping in. I'm like, hey does Nebraska root for Creighton? Because you guys are both in the same state. And everyone's like, no, we do not root for Creighton. So like, you know, I, I learned these things. But um, yeah, I mean, as the story goes, the Big Ten, at least for me as a lawyer, I was curious about the decisions that were made behind the scenes. They were not being transparent at all. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but they're not being honest or they're not being straightforward. So who comes to try to get that transparency? I have no connection to Nebraska, but I see Nebraska University you know, um, the, these players come in and sue. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to sink my teeth in this lawsuit. I know everything from, you know, discovery, depositions, wherever we're going to go here. But I'm also just really curious about why the Big Ten came to this decision and like why they walked back and, you know, what's going on. So that's that was my indoctrination. And then like all these shows kept calling me about the Big Ten decision. And I'm like, we can just thank the heroes in the room in Nebraska because they're saying, basically, I'm going to sue you unless you explain your decision process. And then guess what? The decision returned on the same, you know, the season returned the same day that Nebraska withdrew the lawsuit. So I'm like, I don't know, Nebraska is never, you know, they're never going to get the credit. But I, I think objectively, the lawsuit came at a time where the decision was not going to be revisited. And then guess what? The decision was revisited and the lawsuit goes away. So in our world, you say, uh, you know, maybe a backroom deal, something like that. But um, I really thought Nebraska was, were the heroes in this whole situation. Does the, does the concept of I guess not concept, but with the Freedom Information Act, that's something that even the, the lay person has has heard over the last five, six years. Every time a news report comes out, um, that way of potentially getting by First Amendment, things like that, protecting sources. Was that what the Big Ten was trying to avoid was getting some of those emails out, getting the communication between the presidents and the ADs and Kevin Warren and and that? And that's as you just said they 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 come full force with with you know threatening litigation then it's dropped and now the season's going to progress is that all connected or am i just kind of am i patching things together the way that i want to 
No, you're not. I mean, they are connected in one sense, but I think the easier way to look at it is that there were just a lot of guns pointed at the Big Ten from different angles. It was, you know, it was the Freedom of Information Act, but this lawsuit was requiring or was at least requesting depositions. So FOIL, this we call it FOIL, Freedom of Information Law in New York, but FOIA and other places. And I don't know, the lawyers in this case were just saying, okay, congrats, FOIA, Freedom of Information can take like 90 days, 60 days, sometimes longer. We want you in for a deposition next week because this is an emergency application. So if you guys are going to say that the season can't be played for whatever reason, we want you in court. And we want you, you know, to, to explain why you can't sit for deposition. So if anybody remembers the weeds, right, there was a deadline to provide books and records to the Nebraska lawyers. Um, and that decision or that deadline to provide documents was extended. And then the settlement happened. So when that happens, usually the parties are close to some type of a deal. And if the deal fell through, I think Nebraska was, or at least the lawyers here were going to have uh, some of those records. So, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think the easiest way to look at it, right? Like, let's, let's go back, right? Dave Portnoy, an alumni of Michigan, he was calling out Michigan, right? Everyone was calling out their particular schools. There was the parents protesting. There were letter writers from, from all these different schools. So the Big Ten was sensing it from every angle. So the parents were asking for transparency. That wasn't really FOIA, but, um, you know, they were going to get answers one way or the other. And I don't know, at least the annoying part, we never got answers, but we did get the season back. So I guess a small victory. As, as a sports fan and a lawyer, and I don't know if you can separate those two for this answer, what was your gut feeling when we find out that Kevin Warren's son, who was at Mississippi State, was going to play and Kevin Warren, and he was fine with that, but yet the Big Ten, and you know, and I know he was being held accountable to, or he's held accountable to presidents and, and things like that. How does, how do, how do we, again, just as the public, how should we respond to that and look at that um, as, I don't know, it just kind of, it was, it was easy. It was a, it was a flare for, I think, and a trigger point for a lot of people. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, as you guys know, I'm not the most political person, but I'm like, I like freedom of choice. I just, I think that's, that's fair. So, you know, if you didn't feel comfortable playing in the, in the NFL season at the pro level, you could opt out. And if you wanted to, as a, you know, Michael Parsons for Penn State, he opted out of a season, ended up being a top pick, and it worked out for him. He did, you know, so off to a great NFL career. I like the ability to opt out, but when you're telling players that you don't even have the ability to opt out because we've canceled the whole season, and you have players like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence starting these different, these groups to play, um, I, I just, I didn't find it fair that, you know, Kevin Warren's son was at a school that allowed him to make that decision. And Kevin Warren wasn't looking in the mirror, right? Seeing his son wanted to play. And then said, maybe that's not the most fair thing for my conferences. And again, I'm not blind to this. It's certainly possible Kevin Warren was the figurehead in all this. And he's just the puppet that the, you know, the chancellors are putting up to just get beat to hell like Goodell does or Manfred does. Certainly possible, but that's, that's not what we heard. We heard, you know, at least from the reporting that Warren was behind this, that Warren was the one kind of driving the ship. So if that's not true, he can certainly come out and clarify the record. But you know, Warren uh, tends to only make media appearances when it's convenient for him or, you know, when he gets to light a victory cigar when the Big Ten championship happens. So that it, it, the whole time has rubbed me the wrong way. So, you know, it, it, when times are tough and I, I've done a couple podcasts in the middle of this, when it was really tough for the Big Ten, Kevin Warren went underground and disappeared. So when like the whole business with Ohio State having their <clears throat> their sixth game, you know, if that was going to get rescinded with that Michigan game, Barry Alvarez was doing all the media hits. And I'm like, where is Warren? Isn't he in charge? Isn't he paid to do this? So, you know, Warren, I think from a transparency level, um, you know, you got to give him failing marks on almost every occasion. Uh, so that was really my issue with it. 
if he had, if he, if he felt differently that he didn't want his son to play and his son made that decision anyway, like, let us hear it, right? Maybe you'll be more popular for it, but hiding underground and not answering anything is not going to get you any points. And that's what I think as, as a fan base, and again, Ohio State, um, you know, the other schools, Michigan, after a bit, you know, there was this, there was an alliance that kind of came together, you know, on the parent side. And we've, we've already talked about the, the Husker parents that came together and they were, you know, parents put their name on that. People knew who's, who the parents were, who their plays were. They weren't shying away from it. It just, I think at a, at a macro level, that 10,000 foot view, then really, again, kind of comes down on against what the NCAA is and what they're standing for, because you've got one um, conference doing one thing. You've got another conference trying to do another one. And I, I don't, and maybe, you know, do you think that some of those conferences came together and talked or were they every conference for themselves? We're going to do what's best for us because we see it now, you know, the SEC has a, a, a an eight game schedule. The big 10 still in a nine game schedule for football. Nothing seems to go together. And it's just fighting, fighting, fighting what's going to be best for us. And that could have been a time where, hey, you know what? Everything's got to stops for five days, reorganize. Maybe we can do this and then kind of get the road and get going down the road in the right direction again. I don't. It, and again, it go, all goes back to his fans. We were paying for the product in a way we were supporting and buying and going and, per, you know, all this stuff. But we weren't. It just didn't feel like, as you said, the transparency, we weren't getting the information, which makes it really tough to, to know where to sit and what to, who to yell at and who to be mad at. <laughs> right. I mean, I, all I can tell you, like what lawyers we really do is we look at precedent, like to try to predict what goes forward. So in my line of defense, right, like I would probably contact, you know, a colleague at another firm. What are you guys doing? Um, I was on a panel yesterday with a bunch of in-house lawyers from uh, the Phillies, the Atlanta Hawks, the Hornets, and like it's a, it's a small community, like people talk. So take that one level removed and bring that over to college, right? The general counsels for these different schools are talking. Risk management, I'm going to get pretty nerdy for a second. So everyone uh, just, just bear with me, right? Like risk management is everyone's favorite term. Like, I'm just kidding. Nobody likes risk management. It's really boring. But like what risk management is, is what's doing, re- is what uh, acting reasonable under the situation, right? So what's reasonable is really dependent on what your peers are doing. So in a situation like COVID, Right. Like you kind of have to speak to your peers, figuring out what everyone's doing, because the person that acts unreasonably then is at risk of potential liability from a, a legal level. So if you do the one thing that's that's, uh, you know, unsafe and all of your peers are doing other stuff, um, then you're potentially in trouble. It's like, let's use a football scenario. If one school uh, is allowing you know, their players to use leather helmets. Right. And everyone else is using their their players to use normal helmets. That school is acting unreasonable. You could say, hey, a leather helmet's kind of safe. You know, but if everyone else is doing something else, you'll be looked at by a jury as acting kind of commercially unreasonable. So that's why, you know, Fitz, yes, if the other schools were talking. I think you're not doing your job if you're not. So I think, you know, I think the Big Ten, um, again, just just date wise, they could have waited. They could have played wait and see, but they wanted to make that decision. And I, I've always thought in my bones that that was a decision that they thought they would be the leader. Right. The SEC might be beating us in terms of talent on the field, first round picks. But we'll be the leader because we care most about your kids and safety. And it's a good reason. I don't I don't mind it. But, you know, from a strategic perspective, it certainly backfired. And whatever level the SEC was ahead of the Big Ten, they've certainly lapped them. Right. Um, You know, so um, I think they certainly were talking. And then there's the other fun conversation, which I know Zach was, uh, you know, involved in. And and I'm sure you were as well. 
the messaging that maybe was going on internally, because this is really where I, I kind of got introduced to Nebraska very quick. Like I covered this lawsuit, you know, people were interested in, in you know, uh, my, you know, the deadlines, what I was looking at. And then, uh, you know, I left the debate thinking, I'm like, okay, Nebraska really saved the season. Like, I'm not sure where their victory parade is. And again, I don't know anything about Nebraska politics, but I'm like, they saved the season. I don't, I don't see why everyone's not going crazy. So then um, fast forward, um, you know, that game against Chattanooga, that first week of the season, so the game, uh, Nebraska's game gets canceled, right? Or uh, I think it's, was, it, was Nebraska playing Chattanooga or was Wisconsin playing Chattanooga? I, I think was, uh, I'd have to go back and think. I just, I know if it's, I think if it it's was, connected to Wisconsin, there was a Wisconsin lost a game. I think that's what it was. Before they were going to play Nebraska. Yeah, and then it brought it into question whether they could play. I, they didn't have was. enough players. And then, right. it, yeah, it just starts so to So Nebraska, unfold. I think, was going to play Wisconsin. And then Nebraska said, I think we found Chattanooga to replace them on the schedule. Yes. Is that okay? That's that's what it was. Now my yep. memory's coming back. So I remember, and I'm like, okay, I guess they made this rule that they're not going to schedule non-conference games. I get it. But, like, I don't know. Let's be nimble here. Let's be fluid. The rule doesn't make any sense. So you, the reason I thought of it, you talked about alliances, right? Like, Ohio State, I think, was the only other school that voted for Nebraska to play that game. So I'm like, okay, made a mental note. And then uh, I was watching one of the ESPN shows, whatever. I think it was a first take, one of the shows. And Feinbaum pops on and he's like, Nebraska are the biggest crybabies. How dare they try to schedule a game? The biggest crybabies. And then like, just me, I have no, no dog in the race. I'm like, Feinbaum, like, why don't you chill the F out? And like Nebraska's here saving the Big Ten season. You wouldn't have any platform to speak on if Nebraska didn't save the season. So I think, uh, you know, I, I went into something for work, into some meeting and I came back and I had like a thousand likes. I'm like, what is going on? And then I learned about <laughs> Nebraska Twitter overnight. Well, and that's what, and that's that, that fine bomb example right there. It was the, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, the low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. piling on, beating a dead horse on and on and on. But it always came back to, uh, you know, why, you know, you know, Nebraska, just be quiet, know your, know your place here, the old rock, you know, know your role. But, I, I was going to say it. I was <laughs> going to say it, know your role. You just, but you just don't, because you're not winning now. That has, that's regardless of right. how Nebraska's done the last 10 years. They are a university, part of a bigger conference. They bring from a quote unquote small market, which everything goes to how Rutgers got invited, Maryland gets invited, the TV units, the eyeballs on the sets, all of that stuff. But it's, you know what, just we're not going to give you any credit go out and win. So that became, I know when they lost to Illinois uh, week one, it was, you know, Illinois Twitter was like, Hey, great. Thanks for saving the season. See you next year. You know, stuff like that. So it, it was fun because it started to kind of amp up some rivalries. It started to kind of make it feel like football again, but when you've got your, you've got your fine bombs, you've got your, even people that were, and they were, you know, we all refer to them as mouthpieces for certain conferences. No, but you're Nicole, I know exactly. You're Nicole Auerbach. You're, yeah, you're that, was, that was the other one. Those are the yeah. main two. Yeah. I just, and you can't, I, that's why I can't a, figure she out. She had a tweet. She had a tweet at some point, And I think it was after the Illinois game. And she's like, you know, like, that's what you get for bringing back big 10 football. And I'm like, you know, and this is where I think, you know, again, I'll be very clear. I'm not from Nebraska. I went to all these different New York schools. You guys were saying in Nebraska and you're like, here's this guy who has no connection to Nebraska. And he's seeing it too. Cause I was, cause I'm like, I've never heard of a national reporter just like picking on a school. And even like the Feinbaum one, he, he said, and, and this is probably part of the narrative too. He said um, he was making fun of Nebraska in their argument for playing, you know, this non-conference game. They said this would be an important data point in the college football playoffs. And I'm like, 
it could be an important data point, right? Not necessarily for Nebraska, but for Ohio State. So I remember hearing that. I'm like, it's probably a good argument. And then Feinbaum spun it on them. And he goes, Nebraska's not playing in the CFP. And I'm like, that's certainly not what they were saying. And then, um, you know, Fitz, fast forward, um, you know, it, karma kind of got the Big Ten because that data point in the CFP ended up hurting Ohio State because without that, you know, that sixth game minimum being waived, they couldn't be in the Big Ten championship. So I'm on my high horse saying, like, you better not make an exception for Ohio State when you didn't make one for Nebraska. And I, I love people, you know, Ohio State, I'm a lot of, you know, friends there. Um, I just didn't think it was fair to put Ohio State in that situation. And you didn't have to. That was a, you know, that was a, we'll say a self-inflicted wound. Well, and so that, yeah. And it, as everything came together, you know, the Ohio State and Nebraska kind of being together was just, was just different. And then the, from the outside looking in, I think people that were reasonable that weren't in, in it with a mind, with an agenda for themselves, like, you know, national reporters or trying to get clicks, stuff like that. I think they saw the bigger picture is that, you know what, if the SEC can play, why can't the Big Ten play? Let's not, let's not do those things. So the season goes along, we play the eight game season, and then we get to last year and you're still involved and engaged with Nebraska Twitter and supporting the Huskers and doing all of that. Have you do you watch them when they're playing then? Have you had a chance to get, have you been to Lincoln before anything to connect it physically? Um, I haven't been, there was a, there was a very good chance I was going to go to the Fordham game. That's my uh, legal alma mater Fordham. Um, but my wife gave birth, I think the week or two before, so I couldn't get that out. I was invited by Fordham to go uh, with, with some friends that were coming from New York. So that was a no brainer. Um, I'll make my way down. Uh, and uh, Zach had mentioned the documentary. I, I can't give any spoilers, but I, I have, um, uh, I got to be very careful in my phrasing. So the, the documentary was supposed to come out this past year and you guys, I, don't, I can help give you some sort of an exclusive, but um, the trailer did so well. There was so much interest to the documentary that they ended up pulling, um, we'll say a very big guest to join the show. So they had to reshoot it, redo different parts, but um, it'll be a much bigger production. I think I keep getting told it's going to come out before the season, but let's just say it's bigger and better. Uh, and there's some more firepower. Uh, so I hope, hopefully you guys enjoy it. We, that was something that was on the back, you know, in the back of my mind of, you know, how does that, how does, how does that documentary connect with everything that was, was going on? And you got, you were pulled into that or were you part of the group that started that? Um, I had no affiliation to it. And I, and I guess to close the loop, um, I think if and when that documentary comes out, hopefully before the season, we'll take a trip, I think the crew. But uh, I was told, you know, I, I had done a lot of hits in Ohio because of the whole Big Ten saga. Um, I've done some stuff, which is probably a story for another time on the Cleveland uh, baseball team changing their name to the Guardians, a whole separate saga. But I have a lot of friends in Cleveland and they said they were looking for a lawyer on this documentary that, you know, uh, was being done with or without me. And uh, they said, we're looking for a lawyer and you seem like the perfect guy. We went through your tweets, you're on it. And we listened to some of your, I did a lot of podcasts on it. And uh, I'm like, of course, sign me up. So I, I told Zach this well, way back when um, I have no financial tie-in to the, uh, to the documentary at all. I'm just like, Hey, if someone's going to tell the story of Nebraska and I'm getting the call, like, I'm certainly not going to say no, it's either me or like random Florida lawyer or California lawyer. So I thought I could do Nebraska uh, justice. So. Hopefully everyone likes it, but, uh, you know, um, I get it. It's, it's a, it's a kind of fun, it's a controversial topic, but I had a lot of fun doing it. Is it something that's going to be connected to a streaming service or is it in going into theaters? Do you know, I, and maybe you can't share that information, but. 
I, I think it's streaming. Um, I the truth is I'm not a, in those those conversations, but um, I do know that it's a matter of which streaming service. So hopefully, the bigger the better. So the people that put this thing together and spent all these months, you know, cutting it up, those guys can, uh, you know, um, get a larger a larger audience for it. But I know it's going to be well attended and well well seen in in a Big Ten country. I know we'll we'll definitely be looking forward to that. Um, connect staying on the on the side of sports and and legal. You've been very active, um, whether it's retweeting, uh, sharing your opinions. I, I really personally like what you do with a lot of quote tweets when they come from whether it's teams themselves, um, national pundits, things things like that, where you can kind of clarify it and speak to I guess the average sports fan. And a lot of that is connected to what's going on with Deshaun Watson. It, it, it really ramps up and it gets to the point where he signs with the Cleveland Browns. Fast forward again, they have a press conference. The owners nowhere to be found prior engagement, quote unquote, but they're up there and it just kind of starts to get difficult. It starts to get awkward. You know that he's got a script. You know that he's been been fed talking points. What's what's your um, kind of idea or not even idea. What's your view of everything from the beginning of that, the grand jury, the second grand jury, can you kind of walk us through uh, and then maybe even kind of tie it up and where you think it might actually land? Yeah. So, you know, it's fun. I, I, I come as a sports fan, as a lawyer, but for me, it's really fun because this story in particular is about public relations. Cause that's at least where I got started in the sports industry, um, you know, with the giants. So, um, you know, on the other side of those, you know, we saw Watson at the press conference or the GM On the other side is just a room full of reporters staring at you. And that's, you know, in our business, what we call the hot seat. So for the owner to not be in that room, um, I think is, you know, we'll say not a good look at a, at a minimum. Um, so I guess we can, let's, let's go uh, 30,000 feet and then we'll, we'll walk our way up to the press conference, which I think is, uh, you know, was pretty important to this whole, the whole narrative. Deshaun Watson is sued by 22 women uh, for civil cases. So the easiest way I explain civil and criminal, right? O.J. Simpson wasn't, was found not guilty on the criminal charges. That's a standard called beyond a reasonable doubt, which is like 90% confidence. Cri- or civil cases are like 51%. It's a standard called preponderance of the evidence. So that's how O.J., right? Let's say the jury thought he was like 75% he did it. That's how he can get found culpable on the civil and have to give up his Heisman Trophy and whatnot and innocent on the criminal. Here's where things get a little tricky, Fitz. Probable cause, that's uh, for a grand jury indictment, is much lower than a civil burden. So you can make up a number. You want to say 15%, 20%, it's fine. It's just enough to get you over the hump and then you you move forward. The fact here um, that 22 women are suing in civil court, meanwhile, while two separate grand juries, one in Harris County and one Brazoria County, have returned without an indictment on two separate occasions, two separate, you know, prosecutors, two separate juries, Um, you know, from a substantive perspective, I think if you are the attorney for these women, you're probably not feeling that confident in the case. Certainly there's a world, right, when you hear these women give deposition testimony and you go in front of a live jury with witness and there's cameras, right, maybe it's a different equation, but I probably feel if I'm the, you know, the attorney for these women, a little bit less confident than I did two, three weeks ago. Um, Certainly I think public sentiment is still split. I see it both ways. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess to the press conference, right? This is a case that comes down to he said, she said, right? at least the civil cases. Um, you can certainly play with the pending sexual assault case. Antonio Brown just did it this past year. Um, but in a he said, she said case, 
the Browns are going to take a huge L because essentially they're admitting that, hey, we only spoke to the he side of the equation. We didn't speak to their attorney. We didn't speak to the 22 women. And then, you know, then it comes down to how credible is Watson. I know you saw this, Fitz. I had a lot of fun with it, you know, on Friday. But Watson gives this press conference and he goes, yeah, the reason I picked the Browns, I know they were ruled out for a period of time. I was down to the Falcons. I was down to the Saints. But I just decided on my own to go back to the Browns. And I didn't even know what type of contract I signed until after I made my decision. No one believes that. Um, no one does. So, you know, it's not it's not going to be admissible evidence. But in the court of public opinion, your credibility is everything. I, I think, you know, most people would say that Deshaun Watson lied about his contract. So then the question for people like you, like me, like fans of Cleveland Browns fans, if you lied about that at the press conference, when you've been prepped for, you know, uh, a month to do this press conference, what else could you be lying about? So I, I think um, that press conference was ill-advised on a number of levels. I don't think anybody looked good from that scenario. And, and certainly Browns fans uh, were left with more questions than answers after that was done. So he, he, yeah, he says that he didn't really know the numbers and he's, he's been guaranteed. I mean, what, I don't know, was it 253 million or something like that? I don't know. 230, exactly. 230, 230, but 100, yep. 100, yeah, yeah. Get fully guaranteed. But they signed his first year contract was only like for a million so that if he's suspended then he doesn't take a hit they don't take i mean is that that's got to be i mean what they i guess they can do whatever they want to do with the contract that's their call but it, i going back to what you said the court of public opinion that doesn't look above board either um this is a fancy legal term fit zach you ready for this go ahead uh, this is what we call shysty. Very shysty. <laughs> it sounds like a sounds like an East Coast uh, <laughs> lawyer term. Is that? Yeah, that's, no, it's not that a sounds a lot better than what I was going to say. So that's that. Yeah, <laughs> you keep going. <laughs> yeah, um, shy, sh- we'll we'll go with shysty. But yeah, it's a two hundred thirty million dollar guaranteed contract. It's eighty more than any other contract that's been signed by a player. Uh, you know, eighty million more than Josh Allen. Eighty million more than Pat Mahomes. You know, you you name the list. Um, it's striking, right? If that contract's not just backloaded, like the weight of the world is on the back years of that contract. So I think what Watson's you know, team is essentially saying is we expect a suspension to come for the 2022 season. That's why only a million dollar base, the rest is being paid with upfront signing bonuses and back end deals. So, you know, uh, you guys know I live on Twitter, right? That, this is like uh, the punching air. This is like the uh, Arnold, the cartoon, like clenching his fist. Roger Goodell can't do anything about it because he can only hurt the amount of games that he can be suspended for. And if that suspension comes in 2022, which we all kind of think it will, um, it can only take a million bucks. So, you know, it's uh, a little shysty. It doesn't really pass the smell test, so to speak. Well, and they tried making excuses for that too. Or, you know, you've heard people come to the, you know, the Brownstein and say, well, you know, he's not they're not taking a hit or they're not working with him on that i mean you got a guy that's technically now your franchise quarterback signing a 230 million dollar contract with still you know um you know sitting on a punishment maybe it's a full season i think it i don't know if it's going to be more than six games but i mean it does seem as you said pretty shysty the way they kind of worked the deal out and how cleveland kind of came out of the blue all of a sudden again you know what i mean yeah, I mean, let's let's address the elephant in the room, right? Innocent until proven guilty, right? We all kind of have to point it out. Um, I think all of us are saying that the guy deserves to be, you know, to play in some way, shape, or form. It was just surprising, I think, objectively. You know, the Browns, the guy went from being, you know, with the grand jury, you know, flip of a coin, right? It could have gone either way, right? We have no idea. But if it went the other way, there were talks about him potentially being released. So we go from a guy who was a toxic asset, was not 
tradable. No one wanted to take the risk for the entire season. He sat on the bench. He wasn't suspended. wasn't anything like that. And he goes from that to a team poning up three first-round picks, right, the Herschel Walker package, $230 million guaranteed. And the crazy part, um, Zach, like, I, is that the Browns, there's no other way to put this, they, they knew a second grand jury was going to come. So there was the first grand jury, which returned no indictment, and that's when the trade happens. But they know a second grand jury could still indict him. So not only do they give up three first-round picks, not only do they give $230 million guaranteed, the most of all time, by $80 million, they're also gambling, right? They're playing, uh, they're playing poker, right? They got one card to a, fl- you know, to a flush draw, and they're sitting on, on the flop, and they're going all in. So you know, can you blame Watson's agent for asking for all of that to get the deal done ahead of time, the $230 you know, guaranteed, the million the first year? No. Um, but like, it's just odd that a guy that has, right, you know, not the, you know, he has some bad optics about him. I guess that's the best I can put it. That is demanding so much in terms of trade value and money. Um, it's an unprecedented contract in terms of like guaranteed money. Maybe it sets these players up for the future, which would be great. It's just nobody's pick to have rewrote the contractual guarantee market. It's just a c- complete oddity. Well, that's a gamble so I would not be willing to take either. You give me that, you right. know, it, you double me down on a hundred bucks. I'm sweating, let alone two hundred thirty million dollars in the future right. of my franchise. Right. So he played. He played. I'm using played loosely here. He played out his contract. He didn't play in 2022. Gets traded. Right. Does he have any recourse for what? the Texans, how they handle that situation, or does he even care because he got paid? I mean, I don't think it, based on the number that he got from the Browns, it's not like it, you know, because I, I guess let's go all the way back to the risk management. Um, and I've been sitting on this and I want to share this, that when you talked about nerding out and talking about rich risk management, my only connection and what was going through my head was along came Polly the entire time that you were talking. So it just, know, I've been kind of- good I've been sitting on that and laughing like I know a little bit about this, but his risk management was he plays, he could get hurt. He didn't play, still got paid. Do, do Does he and his team, his lawyers, agent, do they have recourse against the Texans or is that just, are they moving forward and um, letting it go? So that was another one we were watching very closely. So everyone, you know, follows people sometimes mistakenly say he wasn't, he was suspended. He was punished for last year. And the opposite is true. Goodell spoke to a number of these accusers and made the decision. He said, we don't have enough to put him on the exempt list right now. So Goodell, you know, to the opposite said, I basically listened to the case, um, listened to their evidence. I don't think we should punish the guy. So he basically put the Texans in a tough spot. He said either, you know, play the guy, um, you know, maybe there are bad optics. The optics I don't think have changed between playing for the Texans and playing for the Browns. Um, but maybe the only thing I hurt was his potential trade value. So I, I thought there could have been a chance at a potential grievance, right? Um, you know, Texans hated getting hit with a grievance from Watson for not playing him. But then I think from Watson's perspective, he can sit out the whole year, get paid 100% of his salary, not risk injury, get fully healed up, um, and then focus on potentially, you know, beating these criminal charges or that could have come in the civil case. So for him, I think it was a no-brainer. And you only usually file a grievance against someone. And, you know, we're involved in some in my firm. Um, you know, you only file an NFL grievance if you lose money. And Watson wasn't out of dime, right? So uh, he was in the middle of a giant, you know, mega contract. I think uh, I went on overthecap.com. I think the Browns essentially added $90 million and one year to his already, you know, uh, mega multi-year contract. So the guy's making out like an absolute, uh, you know, bandit for lack of a better term. So I think he loved the way things play out. So I don't see any legal resource, uh, legal recourse against the Texans um, from Watson. There was some talk about 
the Texans maybe getting brought into the civil lawsuit if they knew of, you know, Watson's propensities. But, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think we can rule that out. But, uh, you know, that's that's the only way I think the Texans get brought in. Speaking of the money situation and, and maybe diving back into college sports, um, what's your take on NIL and how it started and and kind of maybe where it's going to go? I know Scott Frost has publicly said, you know, he's he doesn't have anything to do with it and he's he's glad he doesn't. You know, I think there's an idea that, you know, we we always come back to the Queen of Yours situation from uh, Ohio State that, you know, he was giving him part don't of play NIL, a game and then million, you get 1.5 million fucking dollars. Yeah. yeah it's fucking crazy. <laughs> but then there's trying to figure out, was there anything connected to that with whomever gave that was behind that NIL deal? Are they expecting certain things in return as far as playing time, stuff like that? So I'll, then the other side, then, and then I'll, I'll let you kind of share your thoughts on it on Friday down in Lincoln the some of the volleyball players put on a camp for third through sixth graders and there's you know stuff all over twitter and social media where the lines were out the door the registration was it was sold out in 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 a matter of days those are the the good things we see and we've talked to we've talked to athletes on here and they've they've been grateful about nil we've also talked about former husker players and they're spiteful that they didn't get that opportunity and they want you know they want maybe they'll come back and have a grievance against the NCAA which we know is not the case but where do you where do you see this going is it going to get policed a little bit more universally or is it just going to continue to be university by university um so you're hitting on one of my three of my favorite terms at least one of the three there's Nebraska, which uh, you guys were were one of the first to the space there's Nebraska ball and there's also J-Skirts. So I just want to shout out. I know my terminology. I was ready to go. Um, you did your yeah, research, so Dan. We appreciate it. <laughs> I actually didn't do my research. I just know this. This is off the noggin. You're part of the um, family. Sorry to, interrupt. sorry to interrupt, Dan. <laughs> uh, Zach, we're going to have to edit and bleep the J-Skirts just to put that on note here. At, <laughs> we can't, uh, is J-Skirts, is J-Skirts, you can't even say J-Skirts out loud? See, I didn't know that. Don't listen to Fitz. Fitz is just a diva about it. Well, there, there is a, not that, um, you know, there's certain words in certain movies that you can't say, right? There's a bad guy in Harry Potter. His name starts with a V. You can't say it. It's just, uh, you know. Very I true, think very make, true. I think we can make that rule. Fitz, don't even, he was about to say it. He was about to say it. You can't. You're not allowed to. It's a bad word. Um, I'm thinking that here I am left out as you two go on a Harry Potter tangent. And I'm just sitting here like, I guess I'll go get my Sports Illustrated from 1998 and reread it. Oh, come You're on. You can nerd anybody. out with us, buddy. You're not fooling anybody. You had that word, that name with a V right on the tip of your tongue. I saw it. Um, so, yeah, lo- long and short, I'm, I'm in favor of the uh, of the NIL movement 100 percent. I've been on it. Um, you know, I've told you guys I follow all these different sports law issues. California was the first to, to pass it and they called it fair pay to play. This was like back in 2019 pre-COVID. And, you know, what we envisioned was a world, at least then in like our legal world, that schools um, were not really going to be involved in this process, going to kind of be hands off. And, you know, that was us predicting in like the end of 2019, like fast forward. Now you have NIL coordinators at these particular schools. Like you have these collectives that are kind of shades of gray, whether or not they're collected, you know, they're, they're somehow connected to the school. I mean, the long and short, I, I support it. I support athletes getting paid. What I don't love, um, you know, it's me as a, as a you know, fan of sports. I love seeing athletes get paid. I think it makes sense. But what is, you know, hard for me to make sense of, and, you know, I just, I pointed out, 
Like right now, we have conference championships being decided across state lines. And different states have different NIL laws, which are being decided by politicians and lawyers. Like it's not based on, you know, how, the, how much a kid likes his visit to campus or how he fits within the scheme. It's just how much money he can make. And then he might transfer to a different school. Like that's what Quinn Ewers was. He picked his school. He made his decision based off of NIL laws. So, you know, I don't, and also, right, let's deal, like the national championship is decided across 100 state lines. So um, I've always been in favor of a bright line rule. I don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing, but, you know, the drinking age is 21 across the country. You can go to a bar in Hawaii, Alaska, South Dakota, like it's 21. It's not necessarily a good rule. Maybe it should be 18, but like we know what it is. And it's probably fair because no bars are getting advantages across state lines. I still think NIL has a, a far way to go because schools are, some schools are really comfortable operating in this gray zone. And then some boosters of some schools like, you know, Eastern Michigan with, um, with Charlie Batch, right? He was like openly on Twitter offering Caleb Williams a million bucks to go to school. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, I'm not sure I'd want my school to do that, but there's no punishment for Charlie Batch. There's no punishment for Eastern Michigan. So until the NCAA wakes up and gets their head out of there, you know what? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to feel comfortable with just schools policing themselves and some version of a wild, wild west. I get it. Free market and whatnot. Just at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's not like our, you know, we're all kind of like, you know, in the rat race of making money, right? Free market, whoever wants to pay the most for our services. There's a national championship that's being decided on, on top of all of this. So I think it's only fair to have at least some overlay of, of uh, administration. Well, and it, there's that starting at the top. I mean, the, the national championship game, they wait two weeks, you know, they're building up revenue on, on, on promotion. They're getting people to go to the game. So whichever, whichever city and their stadium is hosting that game, you know, they can build it up. The game is longer than normal because they have different commercial breaks for sponsors. So again, the network is making money. Everybody, it just, again, it makes sense to make sure that everyone is getting what is deserved, you know, and it was pretty cool on bussing with the boys, Will Compton, a former Nebraska player, Taylor Luan from Michigan, Tennessee Titans. They have, um, Garrett Nelson on Husker linebacker from Scott's bluff. And on that episode, he essentially signs an NIL deal and it's, you know, to be able to present that and kind of go through now he's, he's part of that company. He's, you know, whatever he's got to do. I think at that time, you know, it's pretty cool for these guys to be able to make, make what, what's, you know, deserved, or if their name image and likeness, like it says, is something that can help promote and it's legal then, you know, why not? Why not? And it's, again, all you're doing is supporting, but it also helps the fans. I can now buy stuff. I can get autographs. I can go, everybody can do it the right way. Eh, you know, what's, what's to say that's a bad thing. hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's just a sign of the times. I think some people were uncomfortable with it at first, but you know, if the, if someone blows out a knee, right. Or breaks an ankle, like, you know, I, I think there should be some comp. And then there's a, you know, like St. Peter's I'm watching the, you know, March Madness now, uh, you know, those guys are going to have their moment. Um, so they're making some money. Buffalo Wild Wing is, is giving them some money, some NIL money. Barstool popped in and set up a deal with one of their players. So why not, right? Who loses from that? Um, you know, I, I think it gets a little more complicated when recruiting battles are being decided with, you know, eight, eight figure payments, which I don't think makes anybody comfortable. Um, you know, at least until it's transparent. If you're going to have like a little ESPN ticker, right? Alabama pays guy $8 million to go to school. Like, <laughs> Maybe I'm okay with that. I just, I think behind the scenes, the backroom deals, I just, I'm not so, not so comfortable with, but you know, we're still, you know, relatively early in the process. I think there's certainly room for improvement. 
Well, I think with NIL and everything right now, kind of what we're seeing is we're seeing things that were going on behind closed doors previously just play out in the public. And, you know, I'm all for athletes getting paid. You're putting your body on the line, uh, your brain on the line. So, hey, if you can cash in, why the hell would I be opposed to it or pissed off about it? I think it's something that should have been done a long time ago. I'm glad they're doing it now. But, you know, just one more question, Dan, before we let you get on your way tonight. Obviously, since you're the adopted Husker here, kind of want to get a uh, a little bit of a season prediction from you kind of what you think the huskers are going to do next year with you know brand new quarterback brand new offensive staff there there's a lot of new pieces a lot of reason for optimism but there's a lot of new pieces just what what are you thinking this year just give us a just a range for a low and a high i mean i i guess i mean it can't get worse than last year like i watched i watched every game last year watched every minute of every game I made the mistake early on. Like, I think Nebraska had a lead at halftime, and I'm like, we got this. The game's in hand. And then, uh, you sound just like me, Dan. I had people like screaming at me in my replies. They're like, you know, like, that's what you get. And I'm like, okay, why does everyone hate Nebraska? Like, everyone's got to like, like, I had a, I had a, and Zach, you saw this. Like, I had a post, like, when Creighton loses, Nebraska wins. And I'm like, you know, I'm just fucking around, right? Like, I think it's fun to make fun of Creighton. Oh, you got to. It's a blast. But people were like screaming at me, like, that's the only win Nebraska is going to have in the tournament. And I'm like, everyone's got to chill out here. Like I'm, I'm here to, to make peace here, but you know, the, the long and short, like I think objectively Nebraska was, you know, again, I'm not from Nebraska. I just, I watch a lot of college football. I think they were probably the unluckiest team in the country. Maybe, maybe some of those were self-inflicted wounds with special teams issues and maybe the holding stuff wasn't so self-inflicted, but uh, you know, I'll put them, I'll take my tinfoil hat off for now. But uh yeah, I, I think Nebraska's in line for a good season. I think like they were one of the top offenses in the league last year, um, and they just got to eliminate the mental errors. So I, I'm going to predict. I don't know if this is so bold. I'm going to take predict a bowl appearance. I, I I think Nebraska can do it. I think they've always had the talent. Uh, they got a rich history. Frost is back. Everyone knows the system. So I'd find it very odd um, if they had an as unlucky of a season as they did last year. Um, but at least at least over 500 in the conference. That's uh, as, as bold as I can get here, boys. And I think you you're exactly right with everything the way that it is. It's it has to. It cannot be like it was last year. It's either going to be zero and twelve, or you know nine and three type of thing. It really it just doesn't lend itself that there is. I, I can't come up with find the smartest people in sports anywhere can't find an algorithm to put together to where a season could go exactly like it did for the Huskers, because what is, you know, like I, I've already referenced it, but Will Compton, even Taylor Lewan talking to Scott Frost said, you guys were the best three and nine team in the history of college football. And then Frost's response. Well, it's like saying I'm the prettiest turd in the toilet. So it doesn't amount to anything. They've got to find their way. Like you said, get out, get out of their own way, clean up some of those little pieces, you know, let it all, let it all come together. And, you know, but again, at the end of the day, and you've, you've supported this, you've bought into what you see on Twitter is that we're drinking the Kool-Aid. We are going to support them. I'm older. I'm older than Zach. So I got a fun fact. Fitz. I don't know if you knew this. Um, I might be telling this to you for the first time. Kool-Aid was actually invented in Nebraska. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. I do. There is a museum (laughs) where I quasi grew up. I've, I've, I've been there. So you should, when you come, Hey, when you come to, when you come to Lincoln, go a little further west and southwest and and go to hastings um uh, and you can you can visit the museum hey is, wasn't that where the little league team was from wasn't hastings 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I was in the weeds, volleyball, I, you know, baseball. I'm, I'm certainly, certainly in the weeds, but yeah, Kool-Aid. Everyone kept saying Kool-Aid and, and putting Kool-Aid gyps in my replies. And I'm like, <laughs> someone's got to explain this to me. And then, uh, then I did some research. I figured it out. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what you can, what you start to see that you're like, Oh yeah, I've done the same thing. And I've said the same thing. And you're like-minded with so many people. And that's kind of where we, we find our lanes on Twitter. And that's kind of, that's the, the really cool thing. So, um, we are, I don't know if Zach has anything else, but I want to just personally tell you, thank you for coming on and your time. I've, I've learned a lot. I've, I've got a list of about seven words. I'm going to go look up uh, when we're, when we're done um, that you use that I'm not sure what they are. Uh, one of them is T H E. So once we get done, I'll go look that up. Um, big one. And there was, there was some other, yeah, it is a big one. Um, and then I know Zach's probably got a list too that are two and three letter words. So we'll go, we'll go through all that. Zach, what do you have? Um, I, I really don't have anything else. I, I appreciate, uh, Dan, you, you joining us today. Um, and also want to give Dan's podcast a shout out conduct detrimental. Make sure you guys take a listen to that as well. Um, he's phenomenal at what he does. He's, he's very knowledgeable on sports and just, just a great dude in general. Um, I just want to thank you for coming on with us, spending an hour and kind of edumacating us on all the fun parts of stuff. I'll never understand. Um, I had a lot of fun and uh, yeah, um, listen, you guys tell me when I'll be back. I, uh, I've made the mistake of betting on Nebraska time and time again. So I lost my fair share of bucks. So this year I'm just going to be rooting them on no, no more losing money rooting for Nebraska. I, I think that's, that's, that's a hard lesson as, as, as it's an expensive people, lesson. Well, born and raised here. You, I, I, I even had my dad tell me at some point in time, like in my early twenties, he's like, don't bet on Nebraska. You can't get your heart out of it. It's just never, it's never going to win. You know, it's, and then, you know, unless they're playing Iowa and then you, you can find a win loss in there somehow um, pocketbook for soul and heart. I don't know, but uh, I do have one last question for you. If we, if Zach and I Venmo you a dollar, does that get us on retainer? So when we essentially bring in a new host to take over for Drake and he wants to try to sue us, are we, are we cool there that you'll be able to represent us? We're good. I mean, listen, we could do without the buck. This could be the prospective attorney client privilege right? that even attaches while we're, while we're talking shop here. So Listen, I don't know this Drake guy. Now he's uh, he's gonna be walled off from this scenario. I'm gonna rep you two if we need to. So Drake, listen, sucks to suck, my friend. Another and legal with, term. And with that, Zach, I'm gonna let you do the honors because that's that's a mic drop, and we are that is good, good, good. Yeah, no, I got nothing other than that. Uh, yeah, sorry, Drake. I guess you're you're off the podcast. Uh, that's a funny way to find out. I guess you got to listen to the whole podcast to get this. Uh, one more time for Fitz, for Dan Lust, Zach here. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great rest of your night or day or whatever the hell you listen to this. We'll see you later, and go Big Red, everybody. Go Big Red. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid-filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. Thank <laughs> you.